0: Well, we're still here, so let's talk about it. Today I'm going to answer the question, what is a doula giver? It's something I recently became. I took a course, I became certified in end-of-life doula care. Suzanne O'Brien invented or created doula giver. Being a hospice nurse and someone who worked in oncology and Seeing patients at the end of their life and the families and everything that goes along with that really inspired Suzanne to do, I guess, a kind of filling in the gap, as she says, between hospice care and the family caregiver. Doula giver, doula being what we've often come to understand as a birth doula, somebody who comes in and helps the new mom with the early newborn care so that mom can rest, get a little training, on maybe some assistance on nursing, etc. She took that and married it with this giver, this idea of being a caregiver. But this time, in this case, for the end of somebody's life. Well, you know, I've talked to you plenty about how I have been working with death and dying, learning about it, talking about the good death, just educating myself as much as possible and wanting it to be shared with many people as opposed to the one-on-one or two or three-on-one that has made up the bulk of my experience. Not that there's no place for that. One-on-one is fabulous. Two-on-one, fabulous. Small groups, terrific. Because it gives the space for people to answer questions And maybe to feel safe talking about a topic that we have already acknowledged isn't such an easy topic to discuss, bring up, even mention in some cases. Becoming a doula giver is something that I really feel called to do. I've been taking Suzanne's webinars for several years, and I never felt that it was something I could do or wanted to do. I'm capable, but didn't really have the desire because it wasn't the perfect scenario for my lifestyle. Well, guess what? As I was lecturing my son recently, there is no perfect job. Even a dream job has a downside. The same is true with being a doula giver. And so one of the last webinar trainings that I took, oh gosh, I think it was, I don't know, over the summer sometime, I I don't recall exactly. I was sitting in the webinar I knew how this was going to go. She was going to give her training and then offer the course. And this little tiny thought came into my head. When she starts that piece of it, you need to really listen and consider signing on. Be being me, I fought it. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to sign off as soon as the information has been presented. But then toward the end of the webinar, Suzanne said, Clear your mind of the reasons why you don't do this. Let your heart speak to you. (laughs) And I'm getting choked up right now because for the first time in the several webinars I had taken through the years with Suzanne, I got choked up. My heart was saying, why aren't you doing this? Why didn't you do it sooner? And for the first time, I really listened. The things that the rules, I guess, let's just say it that way, the rules that I put in my life for the way I want to live are keeping me from doing something that I know is so important and so helpful. Wow. Um. But I couldn't say no anymore. And the minute that I said yes, I felt exhilarated, excited, and just anticipating being in this space professionally. And since that time, having taken the first part of the course, I've just continued to have that excitement. And it's a reassurance of what I already know. And yes, there are times when I thought, do I know enough? Am I ready for this to really call myself a professional? The answer is yes, but I doubt. I doubted pressing record and then publish on the first episode of this show. But I did it anyway. And as I was lecturing my son recently, I said, do it scared. If it's something you really, really want, you consider it a passion but you're afraid, do it scared. Just like a fireman runs into a burning building. He has courage. That doesn't mean he isn't scared. He does it scared because it's important to save lives and structures. That's why he became a fireman or a firefighter. If I can lecture my son that way, I need to lecture myself that way. And also be gentle, right? Lecture seems harsh. It was a guidance. It was a guided advice session that I gave my son. And I have to be that gentle with myself as well. If you ever look up doula givers and read or hear Suzanne speak, you'll understand what I mean. She is a gentle soul. She has a way of making people feel terrific about themselves and what they're doing. Imagine what she can do when she's helping a family that's so lost and just in the mud about how to help their loved one at the end of their life. Okay, so what is a doula giver? Well, it's called an end-of-life doula. We're starting to see them pop up. Recently, I heard that a family um, had someone who was gravely ill, and a doula came to visit them in the hospital. That's the first time I've heard of them being anywhere, but I know many people who have become end-of-life doulas and their space has been in training and teaching doctors how to have tough conversations and others who do different things. It's such a wide and broad field. Presently, being an end-of-life doula does not require certification or even registration federally. Suzanne O'Brien developed a certification program to lend credibility because we're using her tremendous amount of knowledge, expertise, personality, and just passion for standing in the gap between hospice and the family members. To become more mainstream, it requires a movement, if you will, and the movement is happening. To make a certification, lends that credibility, but also I think inspires the doula giver to know and be assured that they have the knowledge. And because we're required to verify how many hours of actually hands-on experience that we have provided to people, it adds that also piece of assurance that we have the experience, not just the education. We didn't just take a few webinars and call it done. Actually, we took many modules to get to be an end-of-life doula giver. I have chosen to go even further on to get an end-of-life care specialist and a consultant certification, but for now, doula giver is enough. So I don't know how that's going to actually look in my profession, in my business, if you will, but education is going to be a big part of it for sure. So let's get back to what is a doula giver? Well, an end of life doula, or someone like me who is certified as a doula giver, works with a patient and their loved ones from the point of a terminal diagnosis, which is usually when somebody would go on hospice, and they work through the bereavement period of all the loved ones. The doula giver can help with planning for the aging process, which is what I'm studying to do, can help with the paperwork at end of life, such as advanced directives, wills, etc., and just guiding, not not doing for, but guiding families on how to get these things done. The training program, really, Suzanne just saw that need as a hospice nurse herself, where hospice nurses maybe get to see a patient for an hour once or twice a week and that's about it. Now imagine you've just been given a terminal diagnosis. Your family is sitting there with you. Your mind is either so very numb or so very overwhelmed you couldn't possibly take in new information and the hospice nurses time is so limited. They do what they can. They are wonderful people. They want to teach the caregivers, the family how to do this, but they also have to understand, and they do, how difficult it is for us to receive this information. So enter the doula giver or end of life doula. Research shows that nine out of 10 people given a terminal diagnosis, they want to be at home. They do not want to die in the hospital. So outside of the hospital, We don't have around the clock, 24 hour, seven days a week care, unless we've got family members who are willing to pitch in. It's almost impossible for one individual to sit at a bedside 24 seven for the length of a terminal illness. Terminal diagnosis usually means six months or less to live. To have one person dedicating that much of their life It really is overwhelming and I would say virtually impossible to do. That person needs to eat, bathe, sleep, rest, shop, purchase caregiving items, manage phone calls, talking to the nurses, whatever that is. And if you don't have the luxury of a full-time nurse, then what are you going to do? And let's face it, full-time is eight hours. What about 3 a.m.? When you're reading these books and this information and your your loved one is in pain or your loved one is anxious, or perhaps they've fallen out of bed. Do you know what to do? What if they're short of breath, which is largely very common in people at the end of their life with the disease processes that are so common now? The death doula is a non-medical person who can come in and sit at the bedside And listen to your loved one tell stories about their life while you go shower, run an errand, have a date with your spouse, sleep, whatever it is that you want. It's whatever you and the doula arrange together. It can be an hour. It can be four hours. It can be an eight-hour shift if that's what you both agree to. The doula ordinarily is non-medical. Many doulas have nursing backgrounds or paramedic backgrounds or some sort of healthcare background, but their position in the home is non-medical. They can still bring their knowledge and expertise to help the family members or the caregivers or even the patient feel comfortable with oxygen tubing, with medications that they've never seen before, with, oh my gosh, what's going on? Why is she feeling or looking this way? the doula can step in and educate the family and the patient about what they're experiencing. That is such a special tool. But as Suzanne also says, a doula giver is the eyes and the ears for hospice. We are someone who is there observing what's happening. We can make suggestions to the family to contact hospice and pass along certain information so that the staff from hospice can guide the family and the patient. We can come into a home and we can access any needs that have come up since the last visit, any changes that the patient has experienced since the last visit. All of these things that perhaps an overtired, overworked, overburdened caregiver may not notice or doesn't have the experience to recognize. This is such a great bridge between the family caregiver and hospice. We are not taking place of the hospice at all. We are working with the hospice. We defer to the hospice. We do not teach about medications. However, we can watch and observe how the medication is being given or being non-medical means that we can just observe and be the eyes and ears for hospice. We can recognize certain things or changes that maybe an overburdened family member does not recognize, and we can suggest that they contact hospice and let the nursing staff know what's going on so that interventions can be taken. And all of this is intended to keep the patient comfortable, to keep the patient calm, and to keep the patient pain-free. Because what happens after that? is moments of beauty sacred time where the patient feels comfortable enough to talk to share stories and we encourage them to have those final conversations with their loved ones we can help them make sure that their documents are in order we can help with legacy projects if you want to put together a scrapbook if you want a recording of your history if you want to talk about your family tree A doula giver can help with those things. If you have no idea as a family member or even as the patient where you would be buried or if you want to be buried at all, the doula giver can come in and give you ideas, options, and help you just put things together or find someone who can conduct a home funeral even. A doula giver will have contacts with local funeral homes, other end-of-life services, and they can share that with you for the area that you live. Not only that, but as a doula giver, we're encouraged to connect with other doulas in our areas so that if you were to hire me, for example, and for some reason I was not able to be where I was supposed to be at a certain time, or if I had to go on vacation, for example, I have this other connection of doula who's been trained just like I have, who can step in and be helpful in my absence. The scope of practice for a doula then is everything from the time of a terminal diagnosis to help the patients and families during the illness progression, help with funeral preparations, the vigil, which is sitting at the bedside or nearby as the patient is transitioning to active dying. We can help at the time of death we can help after death. We can help understand and honor grief and then help the family manage after this loss. I'm so excited to be able to offer this service to people. A friend of mine actually said, I need you to hurry up and get your business going because I have so many people in need. And the truth is that as myself being the last year of the baby mover generation, we are all entering this period of end of life. Who's going to take care of the largest generation in history as we are all dying? It's a lot. It's overwhelming. Is your family ready? Is my family ready? I wasn't ready for my parents to die. I learned so much from my hospice staff who came once or twice a week, sat with my mom and checked her vital signs and just listened to her and listened to us They took calls 24-7 for any questions that we had. But there is just not enough care out there to cover the largest generation of people dying. We are facing an onslaught of death and a shortage of people to help. Those caregivers that we thought would always be around when the time came. That may not necessarily be true, and that doesn't even talk about insurance and deductibles and co-pays and what's covered, what's not. Medicare covers hospice, yes. Medicare does not cover doula care at this time, but the beauty of a doula is they can offer a sliding scale. Some people do pro bono or charity to make it affordable for those who need the care. I love that freedom because we're not regulated. We don't have to spend so much time charting and documenting. We can sit holding hands, rubbing feet, placing washcloths on foreheads, sitting and listening to stories, taking photos or making recordings, encouraging that sacred time with family that could be priceless and so important and needed. So at this time, I'm just going to leave you with this news, basically, that I have made this decision and taken this step and have become certified. I don't intend to share family stories on this show, but what I will continue to do as I grow and learn personally, I can share with you revelations that I've had or situations that have just been so touching or so challenging to help you all be more prepared for your end of life or for the end of life of a loved one. In turn, should you be intrigued about training, I can even provide you information about that doula givers are not the only organization that certifies doulas. But since Suzanne kind of was the groundbreaking force behind doula givers, And this idea of end of life doula, I think it was a pretty good place to start. Whatever you decide, whether you're going to receive care or pursue being a doula giver yourself, check out what each certification program offers, what sort of education they provide before making your decision. And if you are looking for the care yourself, do the same kind of investigation. So you can feel comfortable knowing that the person coming to help as an end of life doula knows what they're doing, knows what they're talking about, and is a good family fit for you. That's it for today. I'm so excited I could keep going on and on, but I'm not going to. I'm going to let you sit with that. I'll put a link to the doula givers program on the show notes page so that you can check it out. Find a doula near you and at least get that part ready so that if that call comes or that diagnosis is given, you'll have one phone call to make. But don't forget hospice. Hospice is not just where people go to die. Hospice is a tremendous caring intervention when there's no treatment left for a family member or anyone given a terminal diagnosis. Jimmy Carter, who I talked about a few months ago, actually six months ago, is doing so well since he went into hospice care, which often happens. But there's a stigma out there that people die in hospice. They do. That's true. But hospice doesn't kill patients. These people are at the end of their life when they meet hospice. The sooner that they can get into hospice care... Usually means that their quality of life improves. That's a little nugget I thought I'd leave you at the end, but until next time, take care. Thanks for listening today. You can go to my website for more articles, little news pieces, or a transcript of this podcast. The website is whilewe'restillhere.com. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can send me an email too. Thanks again.